0: This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red Channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of
1: Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red Channel. I'm joined by David Hughes. Dave, how are you feeling this week, mate? Last week you were a little bit bit on the floor, wasn't (laughs) you, but...
0: Yeah, a little bit better today, mate. So uh, it was touch and go whether I was going to be on the show at one point, but today a little bit better, hopefully back on the
1: mend. Um So, yeah, all, all good, all things considered. Good. Well, this is an important podcast. This is a big episode. Um, I've had a few messages this week from regular listeners, just being nice like people who are looking forward to the episode, asking us to record one. Because, to be honest, analysing our field feels about 10 years old at the minute, um, considering what's happened in the past week. So last week, we recorded, I think, seven days ago on this Tuesday, and I recall saying that there wasn't a lot going on. <laughs> and then days later, literally days later, about, I think it was about three or four, Liverpool have signed Thiago Alcantara. i say that again, Liverpool have signed Thiago Alcantara and Diogo Jota. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Um so we've got those two to get through. Obviously we've got to analyse them the bones and we've got to go through the Chelsea game and look we'll ahead to Arsenal. So we've got quite a bit to get through this episode. Four big topics really. Um I was debating what to start with, but we can't be on track, Tiago, me, Dave. No, I don't think. Um you. what are your thoughts, Dave? <laughs> on this transfer,
0: this this massive, massive transfer. Yeah, and I mean you've just said it there, it did feel huge. Uh, for a number of reasons really um i thought uh, yeah, you know, from being basic team just a really good move um he has the potential to be one of the best midfielders in the Premier League you can say he's you know one of the best midfielders in europepper stands um okay you know he's he's 29 but you still you still probably guaranteed for me at least two years of, of being in that kind of elite top tier um Beyond just a just player, it just felt like a, a really big coup um, for Liverpool, the club and, and the team. It feels like you know they've brought in a, a truly elite player when they really needed to, I think. Um, we'd spoke a little bit pre- previous episodes about it all. Although we were, it wasn't at this stage yet, we anticipated things could turn pretty stale quickly. Um, not that much competition, you know, same faces in and around the team for you know a third year say in this kind of generation of the Liverpool side but then you bring Thiago in who's a player who's got absolutely everybody excited that includes you know uh players and coaching staff um he's got a pretty unique skill set I'd say as a midfielder um and he's he's probably at it, literally what Liverpool needs in terms of be, being that other dimension being more penetrative from the middle um you know, maybe something that Liverpool and Kiter was going to be, but hasn't quite worked. Yeah, I'm not saying the like-for-like like players, but just that bit more penetration from the middle. And um, I mean, all in all, Josh, a really, really good move.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, uncharted waters a little bit, to be honest, because this is this has never really happened. I've never felt like this regarding the Liverpool signing. I feel like I'm Real Madrid fan, to be honest. <laughs> um, Liverpool have never signed a player this in terms of someone who arrives at the club without making without needing to make any further steps in his career he's he's already firmly on the elite table for me um it's it's hard to put in words to be honest how just how good this player is and um how he's just kind of like the, the master really of of what he does the specific you know intricacies of his his skills and his role, role he usually plays, what he usually contributes to his team. For me, there's nobody better in the world at the minute at doing it. Um, he's just, he's, he's just incredible, and he's, he's, he's a, a step aside from the, the Liverpool midfield we became used to under Jurgen Klopp. Um, just in terms of you know what he's going to offer in terms of con- control on the play, dictating tempo, probing from deep. Um, spot spotting openings, but, you know, we've all played the game of football, right? Every now and then during matches, you'll spot an opening, won't you? And you'll think, that's an opening, I I will be able to make the pass. Thiago is a player who spots openings that others don't, but in addition to spotting them openings, he's, he's got the technique to execute those passes as well. Um so he, he can just open teams up when when they feel safe almost Um in terms of bringing his team close to close as a goal he, he's just you know he, he's what liverpool have had for the past few years M- i mean the next question i was going to ask you dave was, was why have liverpool balls them? i mean for me there's, there's there's three clear points really um but, you know, I've got any thoughts on why Liverpool have bought this way considering he, he doesn't really fit the mould of an FSG signing, does he?
0: Mm, yeah. Well, I think, you know, if we, if, we, if we talk about some of the things you just said there, obviously, it, there's not really anybody uh, like him out there. It's it, it, His skill set is just so unique uh, that it, it's almost the people couldn't pass it pass up the opportunity to sign. It was quite clear that he was open to win. Um, so I think whilst you may have a model in terms of the players you, you want to bring in, I think you make exceptions for players like Thiago. Um, in terms of on the pitch, you know, as you've just said, the, the things that you can do, I think it's really interesting to his vision because that is it, something that is is, is, is it's just so phenomenal. about what he does, I think he does um, put things, you know, pinpoint passes in between players so we know that when teams are without the ball, they tend to, you know, cover in specific ways, looking to cut out passing lanes. And a lot of that tends to be on the kind of gamble-reward type basis where um, you'll you'll leave me a small window to your right to, you know, try and play a player to go towards your left. But he's the type of player who can just cut through those, you know, kind of micro, microscopic telescope-sized buttons um, that are left. You know, that kind of, uh, those gambles, He can, he can punish you with them. We um, saw a few examples of that I thought in the game, when uh, the game against Chelsea. Um, but yeah, and it's just something that Liverpool haven't got midfielder-wise. We, we've toyed with the idea of them potentially changing how they're going to play, um, maybe veering away from the, the 4-3-3 that we've become accustomed to. I think with, with him in the side, you you can do that. You can change the formation. Um, and so you know you've got you've got two legitimate ways Liverpool can play, and both that look like on paper they're going to be um, really effective. And I think he can be be crucial to both, whether that's in a four three three or whether it is in more of a like, you know four two three one. I think um, his versat- versatility in that regard is just you know is, is is crucial. And as I said, it's just such a good sign for Liverpool.
1: Yeah, I mean he is he is just an incredible player. And... Well, he's the ultimate, ultimate professional as well off the pitch. Speaks, speaks better English than I do. <laughs> um, but in terms of what Liverpool bought him for, I think, as I said, I think he offers three, three crucial things. Um, the, the main thing for me is he, he will now offer penetration and progression from the middle of the park, um, and that's something that Liverpool haven't had before on the clock at least. Um, Oh, moving a team made closer to goal from the centre of the pitch, really, and which consequently takes some of the burden off Robertson and Trent. And when we're when we're playing against teams that challenge Robertson Trent, there's not many. When we faced, say, for example, um, I'm thinking Old Trafford away last season. I feel I think we finished one all, but Trent and Robertson didn't manage to get beyond the Weyland much. Um, I think in situations like that, you know, Liverpool are all about finding solutions and all that sort of stuff, problem solvers on a pitch. Tiago would solve that problem. Um Liverpool are obviously really good problem solvers and quite equipped for every kind of scenario. But that was one tool, let's say, that Liverpool didn't have. Hadn't Tiago makes that possible. Um in addition to that, I think we saw the things chill he'll ensure that when liverpool are facing a, a low block that liverpool probing is really really fast I was one thing that really took me attention immediately it's the, the lack of time he wants on the ball he's got no desire at all to you know i don't know. i'm thinking of plays like he pops it
0: off to, doesn't he? he seems to get, he seems yeah, to pop it off really quick. yeah
1: he, he already knows where the ball's going. the ball's at his feet for a millisecond and it's gone and I'm thinking of players like Pogba, players like Grealish, who are creative in their own right, but almost become a bit predict- predictable because you know when they assume possession, you can have a bit of time then to get yourself in shape, to get yourself organized, you know, where there's everybody. Thiago, in terms of his probing, he's just he's a step ahead. I, I've used that, that term a lot since I've since Liverpool have signed him, since I've watched him. He seems to just be a step ahead. He, he did an interview with with Sid Lowe um, maybe last year or, or something. And the, the key quote to be away from the piece from Thiago saying that, that something like the, the key the key in football, the most important thing in football is thinking fast. And I think you can just tell what the way he plays. He is that kind of player. He'll ensure that whenever we face these teams that are sitting deep, the ball's moving quickly switching side to side, constantly working this defence so that openings appear. And then, in addition to probing and making those openings appear, he then, as I said, got technique to execute passes through those openings. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in terms of being that player who's he has got the key to the door, but won't be providing assists, funnily enough. Yeah. He's that who, he'll just be the, kind of like the the king of the middle third almost, and just, just on the edge of the final third. Um, as I said, just probing. Probing's the word that keeps it mind, really.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, because of his technical skill set, because he's so technically good, I feel like his, his touch is always about pro- progressing rather than control. And what I mean by that is rather than getting the ball into control and looking to make your next move, I feel like he is always looking to progress with that first touch. You know, so if, it's, if he's receiving an it into feet and he wants to go to left, he's taking the touch to open his body up and get left rather than, you know, controlling it. Then looking, to, it, it feels like it all flows watching him play rather than in stages. Um, I think when, when Liverpool fans get to watch him a lot more, they'll, they'll see what I mean by that. You know, I think, think of Henson, think Henson's, you know, I'm ready to pass the ball. Some may disagree, but I, for me, is. But you, you do kind of see with Henderson, it's normally, you know, in stages of ball into feet, uh, ball out, and, you know, then, then the pass with him, it just all flows almost like in one movement, um, which, as I said, it's unique. And I'm not sure, really, that's something you can just develop. I think you just have to be a technically gifted player, which which he is.
1: Yeah, a lot of what he does, to be honest, the way he plays on a pitch does feel very, very natural and very innate almost as though mm. some players have just got it, some players just get it almost. I mean, and I was it's fun education and top notch considering he came to Lamasiah and at Barcelona and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, he just seems to be a, a player who's just really sharp, not only on the on the floor, but up in his head as well. Um and the third little addition that I that I mentioned is that I think specifically once Liverpool have gained the lead, I think he's gonna integrate real control and aspects that Liverpool already have, but control with the ball, you know, that kind of almost a Man City vibe of, you know, we're, we're leading. Your team needs the ball to score against us, but you can't get it off us. And I think Thiago's kind of got that. And I think it stems back to what you've just said there, really, in terms of he offers the penetration and the progression, but he also offers the control as well. Um, which is, say, for example, if you look at a player like Wayne Album, Wayne Album completes roughly about 90% of his passes very, very rarely, gives the ball away, super safe, but doesn't progress the ball at at, at all. So he offers you one side, but doesn't offer the other. Thiago offers both. Um, and I'm going to use a viz to, to capture that. So apologies for those who are listening, but if you want to see this, you can, um, I'm gonna say, you can, you can go on YouTube to to, to view this, Um But this this is just to, to capture Thiago's control combined with his penetration. So hopefully this works. Yeah, I'm gonna say. So can you see that? Uh, yeah, we've got it, mate. Yeah. So on the bottom, I mean, it's, it was very quickly put together. But on on the bottom, you've got the progressive distance of a player's passes in yards paying 90 and on the left hand side you have the, the pass completion of a player now up here you've got Wine Album. obviously 90% pass completion but in terms of his progressive distance about 150 yards a game which isn't very much at all Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain well I mean that doesn't bode particularly well thought does it <laughs> um, but you've got Nabi King here, James Miller, Jordan Henderson, fair middle of the route, sort of And then obviously you've got Thiago as a little bit of an outlier in terms of completing roughly the same amount of passes as Winealdum in terms of accuracy. But progressing the ball in yards three times as much. So about four hundred and fifty yards per per ninety in comparison to Wine Aldum's roughly one hundred and fifty. Is this from so, last
0: season, Josh?
1: This is last season, yeah. Um, the Premier League Liverpool midfielders, and I took Thiago, in the Bundesliga, and just you know, compared, just to capture kind of like, you know, this is the tool that Liverpool have added. This is the 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 um the squad void, if you like, that Liverpool have filled by having a player like Thiago because we it's something we 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 have not got really. Mm.
0: Just um just on that point, it it did I did see it come, come across my feed um few days ago, that apparently Thiago are the most progressive um, yards against Chelsea um, more than all of Liverpool's midfields combined in that game, um, which is interesting when he plays in a half. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think this is actually really good vis, just to kind of capture the point you're trying to make. It's, you know, it, it is someone who's obviously a, an accurate passer, but also someone who moves you up the pitch, um, which as we know. I think even in Liverpool's system, which we've said is quite industrious and not all about midfielders contributing too much going forward, um, I do kind of foresee that things are going to be a little bit different for him. No exception to be made. He's going to be specifically used for that where maybe other midfielders in the past haven't been.
1: Yeah. Um Just in terms of one thing I didn't notice about is I think with players like this, there's a, a narrative typically, or maybe not a narrative, but an an expectation typically develops before the player gets watched in England. That he may be a luxury player, and he's maybe a bit of a passenger without the ball. But he's really neat and aesthetically pleasing to watch when he's got possession. But as I said, when he loses the ball, he's got to be carried. Not the case, Thiago. He's very... Uh, He's quite industrious, to be honest. He's a bit of a grafter in terms of interceptions. His anticipation is great. Um, I think he, I think he won a tackle against Chelsea. Actually, the, something against Chelsea. The ball out of play. I think he he gave himself a little silent fist fist pump. Um, not sure if you saw it, Dave.
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah, just by in front of the dugout.
1: Yeah, I mean a li- little bit too over eager in terms of connecting with Moavana for the party. But, <laughs> I'm sure that's just, as I said, over-eagerness, and I mean, I think that'll, that's just maybe a little tiny thing that he's got to, that he's got to remove and got to keep his head or something, but, well,
0: in
1: yeah, I mean, Alisson, spoke about to before, haven't we, that Alisson, his first few games, wanted to impress to the extent that he was doing close turns and all that sort of stuff, so, it's not really overly needed, it's just, you know, his, his first disappearance to make a good impression, but I just wanted to clear up that on the defensive side of the game, he he again fits fits the mold and seems he's he's not going to be a passenger. He's going to be working for the team, making just as many interceptions as his midfield teammates.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's uh, no, he's, he, don't forget, he's come from really intense kind of pressing systems as well. It's not as if we look, although there'll be difference in, differences in terms of the intricacies, and that's something that. Klopp alluded to, didn't he, in the year uh, before the game when he was asked, you know, was he in contention to start? He basically laughed it off and said, no, you know, the he doesn't know enough about our, our system, basically. But that being said, there is still some similarities in, in terms of how and play and how Liverpool play that he, the fundamentals would have been there. Um, so, you know, it, I, I don't think you could succeed in that buying system being a luxury player. You know, I don't I don't think there's any room for you, especially in midfield. And um, so that's something to, to to consider, um and reaffirm the point you're making really.
1: Yeah. Um, one thing that's interesting, Dave, one thing that has clopped your mind is Klopp being really loyal to his his midfielders, especially, like when we got Fabinho in, when we got Keater in, Henderson and why still started week and all that other stuff. So there was a bit of a difference with Van Dijk. Van Dyke immediately came in. Allison immediately came in. I'm curious to see what Klopp does with Thiago. Because this, this player, as far as I'm concerned, is too good to, to spend a few months no. on the mm-hmm. as he starts to learn stuff. Um but then you know what does it say to Wijnaldum? Alden? What does it say to Fabinho if if he's just thrown in? sort think, of i think it's difficult if i'm Fabinho, i'm i think i'm maybe a little bit confused i understand the centre back thing but when gomez is fit Thiago at his best for me is a six which mm. way Fabinho plays for Bill can't play mate um so I just think you know we spoke about Lampard last week and having all these players to figure out and all that sort of stuff I think Klopp he wants quantity especially for this season I do think that when everyone's fit, you know, who plays? Because the, the, for those who haven't seen a, a lot of Thiago, for me, Thiago is as good of a midfielder as Van Dijk is a centre-back. That's the best way I can probably put it. So in terms of how good Van Dyke is as a centre-back, clearly above the rest and all that sort of stuff. In terms of that, what he does, um, Thiago is comfortably, you know, un- incredible. really, so something Dave?
0: No, it's it, it is really tough. I think you're probably looking at a situation where he he's only. I see what you're saying, but I also agree that I just I'd be surprised if he starts from the outset. Um, I think it's going to be a case of an opening coming in for whatever reason, um, and then he, he kind of comes into the side and, and stays into this, stays in the team. It, it also depends on if Pool. I hey, I, I'm bored. Of actually, talking about this, but. Um, whether they change the setup, and then maybe, you know, if they go, like, a, a double pivot, and maybe have, like, Thiago and Fabinho in there. Um, you talk about little little Ronaldo like that. but at the same time, there is some speculation, isn't there, over what's got happening with him, and there has been all summer. Um, you know, would he be tempted to maybe put him in as, like, an eight? I, I agree, but it's probably not his best position. I still think if you want him on the pitch, that might be the opening. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, it, it, it's not going to be as as you know black and white as maybe the defensive situation. But that being said, I don't think there is going to be any sentiment in the decision. You haven't brought Tiago to kind of um you know tread on eggshells in terms of getting him in the team. I mean, you you you're gonna think of the best way to get him in, you're gonna decide how you're gonna play and you're just gonna put him in there and go to the strongest eleven. So um yeah, in short, I'm not too sure it'll depend on what formation they go. I think if you if you go to like a four, two, three, one, you can probably get him in straight away, can't you? Um but if you maintain
1: four three three, I don't know, that's where the headache comes a little bit. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. like say for example, Arsenal on the weekend. Mm. Let's say Gomez is is fit. Which we think he will be probably. What what do you do? Do you do you Gomez back in put Fabinho back as the six? Do you keep Fabinho as a centre back considering how well he played, put Thiago as the six? you know what, what do you do with that? I, I'm inclined to think Thiago will start on a bench just because it's it's a it's top of the opponent. He's an incredible player, but he's not yet used to Liverpool to, to the details of Liverpool's game without the ball. So you know it, it, Liverpool's game without the ball won't be as much of a problem against ten ten men against Chelsea. But if you're playing a full strength Arsenal team, maybe it's more of a risk if you if you're playing considering he's not yet up to scratch on the defensive side of Liverpool's game. So mm. you know, then he
0: has had a week, hasn't he? He's had a week of training going in this one.
1: Yeah, and he's he's the kind of player that I mean I remember a quote from Kevin Phillips when he was a coach at Leicester, and Leicester signed Cambiasso. Um and he he he's since said that when we signed we we had to just let him play. We we couldn't teach him anything. We, we couldn't see him anything in training that he didn't know what he didn't know yeah. obviously there'll be stuff that maybe we can see Thiago, considering the year and clock and all that sort of, but to an end he, he's got such so a football iq and that you know there's an element yeah. that you just gotta let him play really almost i don't know maybe maybe the um
0: the point of keeping being you no know, instance to back even if gomez is fit because he has been a I don't want to be too harsh, but he has looked a little bit off at times over the last few months, hasn't he, Gomez? Um just in part, as I said, not, not criticising too much, but you maybe does do him in because then that's the headache of playing him, and then you can really see how he can adapt how quick against to the top side in that position, uh, and then deal with the potential further headache further down the line. Because I'm not where does Fabino play if he doesn't Fabinho play if he doesn't play in the
1: number six. Exactly, Fabinho can play number six and he can play as a centre back in the pool system, as far as I'm concerned. And now you have a better number six. And I was going to say you have a better centre back in Gomez, but I suppose it depends on on the the level that, that Gomez is on on the, on, the, on the day. It I don't know. It's it's all you can say. It's 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 maybe a nice headache for Klopp to mm. have, but. It's going to be really interesting to see how things play out and stuff. And I'm sure he'll just he'll lean on the fact that it's just, it's depth. It's more depth. And he just rotate maybe more than usual and stuff. But I just think when you've got a player as good as Thiago, he's got to play most of the time. I mean, he's, he's an incredible player. Yeah. But in terms of the deal, so this this is why I mentioned earlier about Liverpool signing a uh, 29 year old, a little bit uncharacteristic, but. I think a lot of what Liverpool do in the in the in the window is to do with marketing efficiencies, really, as opposed to always buying young players. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's spotting inefficiencies in the market. Liverpool are really good at doing it, and when you've got a player good as Thiago who's available for finally a year, you just you just have to do it. Um, so the the question to you, Dave, was was going to be: Is it a good deal? But it's, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah, it uh, would have been a short answer, that one. Um, tell you what, yeah. what, 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 what does this change in terms of the title race then? Yeah, okay. Um, a lot, really. You know, I,
0: I messaged you last night, didn't I? When I, when I saw the, the City Wall game, I'm still recording on a Tuesday. And um, I, I, I'm led I'm to believe that City are going to bring one more defender in. I mean that was such a journalist word to say that's that's no <laughs> in the know by the way just <laughs> sources to, suggest yeah sources <laughs> suggest uh, but it seems like they're going to but that being said I looked at that team and it's still a you know phenomenal side city you've got uh, beat most teams but I was a little bit like is that it you know is that what mm-hmm. are, are these the main team we're going to start Liverpool this year because if that's the case I, I'm really backing Liverpool specifically with Thiago and and Giotto will come on to shortly. Um, I just think yeah. you've, you've brought in a, a really top player, arguably one of the best in the world in the position. It's given the team a huge lift as well, and I do think it's it, it's going to be a big big player in terms of the title race this year. And for me, the pool favourites now, definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was watching the City game last night with, me, with my dad, actually, and I said to him at one point, how many of these city players get a team? Mm. I, I think certainly one at a push two. But other than that, I don't think there was any. Um I think the absolute given would be Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. And the, the possibility would be Raheem Sterling. But then if you look at Sterling up against Sadio Mane mm. for the position, it's you know, a bit of a question mark there. So yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And um I think I wrote recently about the whole concept of players and points and all that sort of stuff. That might have been for Analytic Fire actually. Oh yeah. yeah, uh, the newsletter. Good plug. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um but it's generally overestimated the the impact that a player is gonna have on a team's points total. But I think in this case, the the answers that Thiago will have that Liverpool haven't had previously, it's it's gonna be just interesting to see the point puns Liverpool end up with because I I can see the ninety mark being breached again. Um which I actually don't think has ever been done before in the, in, in England. I think City have done it with Adiola two seasons in a row. Mourinho did it with Chelsea two seasons in a row. Liverpool are on the second season this will be the third now. But just adding Thiago, the answers he's gonna have in addition to the answers Liverpool already have. Mm. It, I just can't envisage many many match scenarios where Liverpool really struggling and and clueless and without the key to the door, key to the door. So I think. Um, I think they
0: have two plan A's rather than plan A plan B, doesn't it? It feels like you know you put, put them in the pitch and it's a game changer. Or if you carry on going maybe down down with the wing backs. That's you know, that's so dominant as we've seen as well. Just yeah, so it's definitely added something to the pools. um the, the squad that they just didn't have. And it's, it is going to be a game changer, I think, over the course of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, we will focus on Thiago probably quite a lot throughout the course of the season, see how he's used and that sort of stuff. One player we didn't expect to be signing so quickly is Diego Jota. Um, he is a pillar for the long term this show, as mentioned fairly frequently to be honest. Um and again, I I will be honest, I think I think it's it's Dave who's who given the majority of the shouts towards him. Mm. Um so you know I'm I'm sure you're a fan of them Dave considering the amount of time you've mentioned them, but <laughs> this is this must be a good deal from your perspective then.
0: Yeah it's it's nice to see that one come to fruition a little bit because we've um, we've talked to fair few players on the uh, on the show and it's quite interesting that you Know somewhere Liverpool have kind of not necessarily agreed, but whatever high tech kind of analysis they do, um, is, is throwing up Jota as well. Um, <clears throat> really good move. It was also interesting that Jonathan David was a purportedly a target as well because we've spoke about him on here. Um, but yeah, I think Jota just it, it's a move that makes so much sense. Um I was quite surprised when I was looking at replies by Liverpool fans to some of the pieces on him. Uh, not necessarily my, just in general. And people were like, "You know, how good is he?" I've had a few text off mates as well asking oh, how good is he. I thought it was quite a common knowledge that he was he is quite an exciting player, but um, maybe not. The best way I could I could say, it, and I think I might be coining a term from Dan Kennett, Actually, he just he called him a statistical clone for Sadio Mane. So yeah, I thought it yeah, and uh, I can't add anything to that. Um, you know, if you look at his numbers, he's, he, he's basically got similar output in, in every department, similar age to what Mane was bought as well. Um, obviously, he's extremely versatile. He, he, he looks like he's going to be naturally fitted to that left, the way he, you know he's right-footed so he can cut in. He's a wide man, but like Liverpool's forwards, he isn't much of a goal creator. He's instead a goal scorer. Um, he just, it, you know, it's as I said, statistical clone of Mane is 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 a perfect kind of overview of, of what Liverpool are getting.
1: Yeah, I mean for those who signed up to the Annaline Anfield newsletter so far, um thank you. You will have received a newsletter on Thiago on Friday, I think it was. Um you can sign up the link underneath this YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not um, go to my Twitter at Distance Covered. It'll be somewhere there. If not, just send me a direct message. But I'll be sending something out probably tomorrow, the Wednesday, on Jota. Um, just on a, on an aspect of his game, probably. But in terms of his output, in terms of why Liverpool have targeted him, put this together before just to see what he's doing with the Wolves. So hopefully you can see that. Yeah. So that is last season. And that is expected goals plus expected assists per 90 minus penalties. So, not including penalties. So, obviously, these are play with real attack and output in terms of creating shots and shooting themselves. So, you've got an obvious top five there of, in case you haven't grasped already, Pep Guardiola a bit of a cheat code with, with this sort of stuff. So, first, you've got Gabriel Jesus. Second, Sergio Aguero. Third, Kevin De Bruyne. Fourth, Mohamed Saleh, Fifth, Raheem Sterling. And then I've just included a few names just to capture where Jota is, sort of thing. So you've got eighth in the league, Sadio Mane. Twelfth in the league, Roberto Firmino. Eighteenth in the league, Marcus Rashford. 21st in the league, Diego Jota. 42nd, Ishmael Assar. And in case you're wondering why Liverpool have never bothered with Wilford Zaha, he's 97th um but yeah i just think offered fairly decent insight to how jota's kind of positioned finally really in that band below the the elite performers in the league if you like i think with the expectation being that once he joins up with your Klopp, surrounded by better quality teammates in the dominant side jota's numbers have the potential to jump up to at least Manis, I'd say you know top ten.
0: Yeah, yeah it's I mean, key don't forget because Wolves are quite strict in how they play, and it's it's not the same as Liverpool. It's, it's you know sitting sitting back, waiting to hit on that speed on the counter, going to uh, now we would dominate games and create a senses. chances, um, and that's only going to be beneficial to to Jota when he when he starts playing in this side, whether that be a, you know kind of rotation for now and then in the coming years. Him um certify himself and himself a position in the uh, in the side, but you no, know, if you want to listen to the original, it was April the 1st. I think we talked about him, so it was a good few months ago now. Uh, and a Lars and Anfield show
1: um, was we were um, coming up with the alternative Liverpool 11. Was that was it that episode?
0: Yeah, that was it. Yeah, so um, actually, Sadio, you know, Jota was uh alternative to Sadio Mane. Um, which is obviously quite funny because that's what it looks like the signing was but yeah that was it so we, we did a small series didn't we where we tried to find alternatives to Liverpool starting eleven, and we did it in parts I think this one was April Fair or there or there about that um, that we talked about him and potentially coming to Liverpool just based on his his output and you know the, the kind of he scored something like 42 oh goals in three years in England which um, okay one well, was in the Championship but for side like Wolves, who I do like, um, but you know, in terms of how many chances they create and things, I thought, you know, that's that's really impressive, and we have got the expect numbers to kind of match, as you pointed out there. So it's a, it's maybe it may seems a little bit low key to people, but it's a, it's a good move and another good move.
1: Yeah, I think it is. Um, just on his, is. His... Two-fussedness, because this is something that I looked at during, during lockdown when we were just completely out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I started going down avenues that I'd never previously explored, and one of the avenues I went down was two-fussedness. And the, in the current Liverpool squad, the most two-fussed player is Mane, funnily enough. Mm. It's now Jota. Um, so you've got the two most two-fussed players there who are also being com- confer- compared uh, when I checked, Jota was the fifteenth most two-footed player in the league, um, and he was only one forward who was more two-footed than him. Uh, David, know about this? It's uh, Evans Bernard. You surprised by that at all, or? I
0: thought it was uh, Fabian Delph. No, was it Bernard? Was it? At forwards. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, no, actually, I'm not. You know, he 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 can be quite uh, quite skillful, and you know, he does seem to use both feet. So. I'm am surprised he ranks so
1: high in the division,
0: but uh, yeah, to be mm. fair to him, he's a good technical player.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So Diego Jota, he, average, he's stepped up to the Premier League at least about about two point five shots per ninety, which again is roughly the same as Sadio Mane, funnily enough. And um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to get a boost, I think, because we're nowhere near the Dolan's as Liverpool and. Wolves are a bit more counter-attack-orientated, all that sort of stuff. Um, you just mentioned his goals there, nine goals and five assists in his debut Premier League season. Last season, those numbers actually went down a little bit, seven goals and one assist. Um, but he's not that—he's not injured very often at all. Still only 23 years old. Mm. Versatile across various positions. Hungry without the ball, so he fits in with Jürgen Klopp's game in that, in that respect. There was a few. What's the word? There was a few um, bit discomfort regarding the price. Obviously, it was it's forty one rising to forty five, which does does seem like a lot. Mm. But as far as I'm concerned, there's there's underlying reasons why that's the case. So I think he seems expensive. But if you consider a Kiana, who's gone the other way for thirteen and a half million, and B. Liverpool are playing, paying very, very little up front. So, and, and in the first year. I think we're paying about 4 million in the first year. So, you know, in, in any deal, if you go and buy a car, if you go and buy a house or, you know, whatever, usually, the, the, the less you pay up front, the more you pay overall, sort of thing. If you, anyone in football, man, you will know that the, the, the less you pay up front, the more you pay overall. So I think if Liverpool were to pay, I don't know, 10 15 million up front, maybe they would have been able to get Joseph for about 35 million. Hmm. But, other, go on, sorry, Josh, I was going to say on that point as well. If you think
0: about it, it's, it's about five or six million more than what they paid for Mane. Now, we've just pointed out how Mane, um and, and Josh are very cloned each other when Mane was at Southampton in those final, you know, that final season or two seasons. So, you're paying five or six million more four years on. Which seems to me fairly reasonable, um, and you'd say if he goes on to be as good as it's 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 absolutely you know valid for money, great deal. Even if he goes on to be half as good as Mane's turned out turned out, you'd still say that's a good deal. So, as I said you're paying five or six million, roughly more than what you paid for Mane uh, four years ago. So, I think on on that basis alone, it, it seems fairly reasonable.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose that. That the question. Then the, an interesting question for me: Has he been signed as a fourth choice backup, if you like, attacker, or has he been signed as an as an A to to Mane Maybe you know, uh, as he being signed as kind of the next in line. Because I think a lot of people have, have perceived it as like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a great backup sort of thing. But I'm starting to lean towards. Maybe this is the contingency plan. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the player that Liverpool expect to be starting every week in in three years' time. or so. yeah,
0: I think yeah, I think it's both. To be honest, it's it's a perfect deal in that sense because he, he can do that role initially. His versatility means he can cover the front threes that cover that they needed for so long, um, we've talked about for so long, but then yeah it. On the basis of what we know for now, you can't predict what happens in the future. Things can change. You might not develop as to how um, Liverpool hope or how Man did, because that's who we keep using as the example, but might not develop those levels. But all you can say is, based on what we've seen of him so far and the output he's got so far, he does look to be a natural for that position. Um, so you're basic, basically bringing in a player who can provide you a tank output from the outset you know, provide cover from the outset but then also hopefully develop into uh, a Mane type profile type character um, in the next few years when we expect Mane to start regressing in terms of his ability so again you know I don't want and I'm, honestly I'm, I am being objective here. I'm not just I, I know when I live pool show and I'm not just trying to appease the listeners you know to be like yo we're uh, you know, tell them anything they want to hear. Like, I think you, you can get in other places. I don't think we do that. But I'm just being honest when I say, I think this is a really, really good deal. Again, like, it's it's two piece, really good business. And I think this Jota one, whilst it may not take the same headlines as Thiago, does on paper look to be a very good deal for Liverpool.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm getting to a point where... I'd like Liverpool to do bad deals so that we can kind of point to. Yeah, be uh, honest and say they're stupid. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it, it just doesn't feel like it ever happens, really. If it feels like there's there's plenty of logic, plenty of value in every deal Liverpool do, really. save
0: save um, knows nose dives. Even with him, you Nova know, just doesn't work out. You can probably say, yeah, he was maybe a little bit lightweight. Should have you know, should have been looking for more physical play. But he even he. Mixture, you you know, it makes sense on paper,
1: and even he would probably go for more than what we've bought him for. You know, his value's probably still increased. He only got we signed him for seven million. We sell him, probably getting maybe 15 towards a Bundesliga team or or, or something Uh, like that. I don't know. And we did
0: say that was one of the beauty that was like the beauty of the sign, wasn't it that it was was risk free? Like, if it didn't work out, you've only paid seven million, and as you've just said, you're probably going to get. Profit on that even if it doesn't. So yeah, it's a, it, it 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 honestly isn't a case of like blindly, you know, telling people what they want to hear because it, it it's not like that. But I just think this is another good deal and um, in terms of player brought in and also the deal that was struck together. Analysing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel.
1: So Chelsea then Dave, um, yeah, I don't know about you, but I, I thought it was a bit more Comfortable than I initially expected. Obviously, it was ten men for half the half the match, but um, yeah, I felt like it was a I felt like it was a, a dominant Liverpool performance against ten men, but against against eleven men as well.
0: Yeah, I agree totally. Um, I was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit disappointed with Chelsea's ambition to try and um, I don't know try and win the game. You know, attack Liverpool. It's quite clear that they just weren't going to sit back and try and replicate some of the um performances that other sides have adopted. So you know, like I think Arsenal have 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 done that where they've sat back and try and hit Liverpool on the counter and they've had some success over the last couple of months. But um I thought Chelsea really struggled. They, they obviously had one game plan which was to um use team awareness pace to to try and expose Liverpool's right. and uh, they were probably a little bit booted when they saw that Fabinho was playing instead of Gomez but um Although I thought Werner was good on the day, it, as a tactic on the whole, it, it didn't quite work. Um and yet Liverpool controlled the first half and then obviously when when Chelsea went down to ten men, you knew that um it was very unlikely they were gonna they were gonna keep Liverpool out. And Liverpool I expected to actually score a few more goals than what they did, but in the end it was a, a fairly comfortable two 0 win. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: eighteen shots to five. 62% possession and the expected goals had Chelsea, sorry, Liverpool 2.6 and Chelsea 1. Um, but 0.76 of Chelsea's was the penalty. So without that, they've got, they've got virtually nothing. I remember an effort from Werner outside the box that went just wide of the post. I think that's probably the only real threat that we had. Chelsea seemed quite reluctant to engage during the match mid-block counter attacking through Werner. Um with Werner obviously deployed on the left up against Trent and Fabinho with um Kai Havert playing as a bit of a false nine sort of thing, which I think he's I think he's better through the middle. I think I said last week you're, you're missing the trick if you don't play him through the middle. Um, and I could understand Werner being deployed where he was but I think I think Chelsea will have expected Liverpool's right side to be weaker than it actually was. I think Trent was okay on the day, probably better defensively than he was on the balls. To be honest, for mm-hmm. one of the few times, and Fabinho was obviously flawless, wasn't he? Yeah,
0: he was. Yeah, thought he thought he'd done well. There was there was one where I think he loses a one on one initially, but then after that he uh, he'd done pretty well, I thought. Um, but we have said, haven't we, uh, a couple times that not not in the build ups to this game necessarily because we didn't know it was coming but we've said in previous episodes that if liverpool didn't go and buy center back that wouldn't be the worst worst thing in the world because they they benefit from having fabinho who's a versatile player who can do who can play in more than one position um which is the you know one of the key points where you want to try and buy players who are quite versatile because they can fill different holes on the pitch I think yeah I think milner I- who can play anywhere <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, Mr. Utility. So, I think Saturday, uh, Saturday Sunday was just a really good example why pays have those players in the in the team.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's he's a lot more suited as well um, to playing alongside Van Dyck as opposed to say, for example, when we played Bayern Munich, where he played alongside Gomez, I think, or Matz maybe. Because I think Fabinho was more of a go and get the ball type player. Um good in one v one duels, good when he's allowed to be aggressive, whereas I think Van Dyke's more of a more of a covering centre back who kind of just um not holds his position but waits for a mistake to happen as opposed to going and winning the ball. Um so I think Fabinho and Van Dijk bounced off each other quite well. Mm. Um maybe it'd be a bit different if Fabinho was playing alongside Gomez, but hopefully that won't happen. It probably shouldn't happen considering Van Dijk's played something like two seasons now without suffering from an injury. Um obviously Tiago won a half time. And um, we've spoken a little bit about that and I, I can't not include the stat Dave. I'm sure you know what one I'm talking about. Yeah. Um so in forty five minutes, forty five minutes on the clock, Thiago completed the most passes by a player in Premier League history um with seventy five. I think that was more than any Chelsea player on the day and I don't know I mean accumulating passes is it a a great thing but I think in Thiago's case it it does offer an insight into the kind of player he is and the influence he's going to have over Liverpool's um, breaking down of a team like that you know just constantly switching the ball side to side whatever side the ball's on he goes and helps out over on that side and just seeing plenty of the ball, really.
0: Yeah. Can I just say on this, in in the interest of the big rant I had a, you know a few minutes ago about being completely fair in my analysis, I uh, I wasn't that blown away by this. Like, I um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, but it felt like in the fallout of the game, everybody was just going mad for this performance, and maybe it's because I know how high his ceiling is. To me, it just felt like. He's got so much more to give, and you'll have so many reasons to celebrate a Thiago performance over the next few seasons. That it didn't really need to be forced about this one. I, I thought this one was just a uh, yeah, fair play, good, good, you know, good solid um, performance. But at the end of the day, it was it was against ten men in a, against a side he was sitting really deep, and his role was to be in the centre and just keep moving the ball. You know, as as we touched about already, using that term probing. So that involves getting on the ball a lot passing it on a lot as well um so the accumulation of a lot of passes didn't really surprise me nor blow me away um and I, hopefully i'm not opening open myself up to criticism there it's just it's just honesty i think knowing what Thiago can do i think you don't really need to force the uh the excitement over this over this 45 minute cameo because you're going to be given a lot better days ahead i guess is how i conclude
1: i'm trying to say no i know what you're saying yeah. I, yeah I wasn't massively blown away by it i just i just think it's um it was quite interesting that mm-hmm. you know a player with this with this prestige about him kind of broke a record 45 minutes into his debut in the league mm-hmm. there's yeah. his passes there for those who are watching on youtube that's his passing network for the day um obviously as you can see on the very edge of the final third Side to side to side to side to side, all that sort of stuff. Very few passes into the actual box, which captures how he's kind of the player who's going to bring Liverpool to the final third. And um, he's going to be crucial to that side of things, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I think I think what it did do, I wrote a vote for the echo. I got asked to write a piece on it, um, and I think although it wasn't you know amazing, and although it's 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 against ten men you know, it couldn't really be easier at the end of the day. I think what it did do, it kind of offered an insight into into what he's going to offer Liverpool. You could tell, as I said earlier, about the probing really quickly, switching the ball from side to side, penetrating through the middle as well as the flanks. You did get a taste of, of what he's going to offer Liverpool. Um, although it's it, we're going to get it much more in abundance, and we're going to get it against tougher opponents when we're when we're going to value it a lot more. But I suppose when people have seen it first time, and when he breaks a record doing it for the first time, you know it, it it probably does come across as a bit of a big deal. Mm. Um, like this, for example. Again, apologies for those who are listening, but that one, see that, Dave? Yeah. When that happened. I almost started crying <laughs> because that's, that's the kind of pass, right, that we just haven't seen for years. <laughs> it's not like, you know, absolutely amazing or anything like that. It's just a case of like, you, you almost, um, it just caught me off guard because you're just, you're just so not used to seeing it. You expect the ball to go to Trent and then for Trent to do a pass along, that, along those lines. But for Thiago to do it, for the central midfielder to do it, you know, breaking lines like that. It it was just um, it was just uncharacteristic of what we're used to over years and years. You know, five years of Klopp, it's just something we haven't seen, and it's it's a new element that we've added. I will agree that I think
0: this pass in particular really stood out. Um, I remember being impressed by that pass, and it that was when I was talking at the top of the show about um, exploiting those very small windows where a defendant player may let may gamble on the ball, not going there. You know, just these little openings and they'll be they know they can probably gamble and not going there because the player won't be able to execute that pass. It was that one in particular that I was thinking of. I was thinking of Abraham, you know, obviously wanting to show Thiago out towards Trent, knowing that um there's probably a yard to his right where the ball could have been threaded through, but it's very unlikely that's going to go there. And then obviously he then puts, puts that ball through and exposes that gap. Um So that's probably, that, that, I will say that was the one I was thinking of. I think my original point was, I was just trying to say, it just felt like it was, um you know, his performance was being overanalyzed and I didn't think it was needed because, as I said, those performances will come further down the line and they'll be a little bit more authentic where you can, you know, Kind of throw your arms in the air and say he's unbelievable. Um, yeah. which as I said, I think they're going to come soon enough.
1: Yeah, I'd just like to, to, to show one more as well. This pass also took me fancy. Um, again, you'd expect it to go wide to Fabinho, it didn't. It went into Salah's feet, with as you can see, Mar- Marcos Alonso really not expecting a pass. Um, and for, I thought that one it didn't really get many headlines and like that but I thought that one was vaguely compatible to the the big Champions League final one when he finds um oh, I can't remember who he finds he finds he maybe De, the goal yeah he finds yeah. Di Maria in the, on the edge of, not Di Maria he finds uh, I think Kimmich, yeah, Kimmich.
0: Was, yeah I'm sure it was Kimmich or Kimmich was there there,
1: yeah. yeah but it, it was a, it's a pass like that and if you think of if you think of what that's adding in terms of value you know, the, the likelihood of Liverpool scoring before he makes that pass compared to the likelihood of Liverpool scoring after he makes that pass. He's going to add that. He's going to add such value to Liverpool's goal threat mm-hmm. sort of thing from a data perspective, which Liverpool are obviously going to um, be exploring beneath the surface. But in addition to Thiago, I thought one little note that I'd like to make, Alison's save on Jorginho's penalty. I thought it was quite interesting because he's the first keeper I've seen. Face Jorginho at the penalty spot and not move until the ball's been kicked, and it worked.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I, uh, I watched the pen back and knew we were going to talk about it, and I didn't I didn't actually s- spot that. I was looking at, it, I was thinking, what the, what what's what is it? Maybe you're going to allude to is the you know they claps the clubs before he's about to <laughs> take it or something like that, just mind games. But yeah, it um. Yeah, because that's how he kind of sells his penalties, doesn't he? He, he, he? The big thing about his stutter is to try and get a a jump on the goalkeeper. then no, to be fair to, to Alisson, he doesn't he doesn't move stole.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's just the first time I've seen it happen, and it, obviously it worked. Jorginho's penalties are about watching the goalkeeper move first, wherever he moves, put the ball the other side. Doesn't even have to be in the corner; it just has to be the other side. But I thought Allison was, you know, super cool, really. You're letting the um, the penalty taker come in first and making a save but we he's better move some, on to uh, yeah
0: he's one. had some unwarranted well maybe warranted I don't know un- unwarranted to me uh, grief over penalties hasn't he had because he hasn't he had nothing that, until that point saved and I don't think for Liverpool
1: yeah I think in addition to not saving one no specifically in the shootouts a few weeks back he didn't even get close to mm-hmm. any of them he was getting sent the wrong way and stuff and I don't know I'm not yeah, really it, an expert when it comes to penalties saving yeah. but it can, it can be luck, though. Like, people
0: say, oh, he's, he's good at saving penalties, and you're like, if you watch those penalties back, though, like, I'm thinking like a Pickford-type character, he's renowned for being a good penalty shot stopper, but it's like, if you watch them back, it, it's just, if you go the right way, isn't it? That, it, mm-hmm. that is it. I don't mean taking nothing away from goalkeepers. I'm sure there's, there are some that, you know, kind of do have a talent for it, but it is luck a lot of the time, so, hmm. yeah. yeah,
1: we'll move on anyway. Yeah. Um, the team that we lost the shootout to a few weeks back, we are about to face. And to be honest, I'm hoping that the real Liverpool turn up because the past two times we've faced Arsenal, Charity Shield, at, uh, Community Shield, is it? Mm. What is
0: it? Yeah, it's the uh, Community Shield. Shield. Yeah.
1: And at the Emirates a few, week, few weeks earlier, obviously after Liverpool won the league, we got beat. We got beat 2 1, two big errors. So I, think, I feel like Michael says is got what got two over Klopp um without really doing much. Um and I'm hoping that the real Liverpool turn up and actually remind Arsenal that this is the team that beat you five nil and then the following year beat you four nil and then the following year beat you three nil or something like that. I think we had a run against Arsenal where we just we just consistently battered them year in year out. So I'm hoping that happens again. <laughs> yeah. Um It felt very one sided
0: in that um I think it's psychological. From a psychological point of view, I thought that the game at Anfield last year, at the start of the season, was quite one-sided. And, and then there was that shame of really drawing five all with the with the second string as well. So, yeah. uh, in the cup,
1: yeah, that that one-sided game was, I think the the game for Liverpool's fullbacks. I think it was the I think Emery played played a really deep defending midfield diamond. Just give him... Um, Trenton Robertson, the freedom of the flanks. Mm. And he just cross after cross after cross. Eventually scored one with massive scoring, I think. But um, in terms of Arsenal, obviously they started with two wins. One was comfortable against Fulham. The other one, for me, was quite lucky. They played West Ham. Didn't play particularly well. The expected goals on the day, 1.4 for Arsenal, 1.9 for West Ham. Um, And... Arsenal have had a total so far of 19 shots. Um, For perspective, that's the same as Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. Um, Liverpool have had 37. So we know from past episodes, we've talked in the past about Arsenal not really shooting that much. They shot six times against West Ham. Mm. Um, West Ham, I think, had 12 or more. I know they had at least double the amount of shots. Mm. This was after the Emirates. So yeah, I'd expect Liverpool to I I just want Liverpool to really demolish this team, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get a big win. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think what really stood out for me watching that West Ham game was there seemed to be an inefficiency to be able to deal with like aerial balls into the box. You know, I know they've got um is it pronounced "soiche"? West Ham? Uh yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, Suchek. I I know he's really good in the air. He's actually a player I like. Maybe not a Liverpool-quality player, um, or even a a top-four player, but he is a player I like. He reminds me a little bit of Fellini sometimes. I was going Um, to say Fellini, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, he's a good player. But anyway, I just felt that Arsenal struggled with set pieces into the box and also crosses into the box. And whilst Liverpool don't have the tallest front line, I always think, like the likes of Mane, for example, is is so good in the air, and he's just so strong, and he's got a really good leap on him. And it it may not necessarily be the initial header uh, in terms of putting the goalwards, but I think the second phase of play, so maybe a, a loop ball and then a head down, or um, you know, headed back across goal, I think that's where Liverpool could maybe punish uh, Arsenal in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, for quite a while now, despite not really shooting that much, they have. Um... Have overperformed for a while. Um, I think they're overperforming already this season. I'd be surprised if they're not, considering they got three against Fulham. I think they got two against West Ham. What was the West Ham result? Uh, 2 1. Yeah, so they've got five goals already. I'd be amazed if they've got five XG. Um, I'll double check that in a sec. But yeah, they benefit from obviously the finishing capability of the likes of Aubameyang, Yank, who's going to be a major threat. He's probably going to do similar to what Werner was doing. Up against Trent and maybe Fabinho, if he plays hmm. with Lacazette, maybe through the middle. Um, and Abamian is probably going to try and do exactly what he did in the Community Shield, which was, to be honest, fair play. So it was a great finish. It was a great move as well.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, I wonder just what you thought. I, I do wonder whether it's going to get a little bit um, same oldie, that kind of cutting in from the. Yeah cutting in from the right for the Bamiang. Put it this way, I'm thinking of taking him out in my fancy football. Um just because <laughs> I do wonder whether, you know, Sard is going to get so accustomed to it. Um and all his goals I've seen to be the same and I'm not you know, he can execute them brilliantly cutting in and, and putting it in, you know, top corner or the other side of the net. But I do uh, I do think Liverpool, having been done by it already, will be a lot more prepared for it in uh, in this game.
1: Yeah. I mean he's already at my team.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, he's already out my team. Um but yeah Arsenal using 343 twice against Liverpool in the past two meetings and both matches so far in the league, so it's pretty certain that they're gonna go with that. Um would you play Thiago Dave or umfield? I
0: know, I know. Um I don't know, mate. I don't know is the answer. I, it, it depends what the, what the, what's happening around them. If if Fabinho stays in centre back, then yeah, you know it's perfect to give him a chance. But in that case, you you know you're gonna does Why go and Henderson come in, and it's because obviously he replaced Henderson, didn't he on on Sunday? Mm. But there was the kind of excuse of to being a slight
1: injury. Um, I don't know, Josh. I think I, I don't. I don't think he plays. To be honest, no. I I think he starts on the bench. I purely because it, I just know what Klopp's like. I don't think he'll I think he'd view it as a sign of disrespect almost to his midfielders. The but if, is, it, if he just throws Thiago in despite having Cater, Henderson, Wine Fabinho as like lieutenants for him for years.
0: Thing I is. I, just say, sorry, i keep cutting you say, I,
1: I think uh, I think he'll wait for a time where he can rotate without his players thinking into it. And once he's rotated a bit, I think Thiago will then kind of stay in. So I was yeah, like solidify role. Uh, I was just going to say, Amad, uh,
0: he's such a good option, though, isn't he? An hour in to bring on. Either in, in exactly. either scenario, right. if, you, if you're if you winning, he's a great option to bring on because he'll just dictate the game and keep the ball away from Arsenal. If you're chasing the game, which I don't think Liverpool will be, but if they are, he's also a player who, you know, can can break teams down as well. So. You know he is such a good option to to bring on that maybe even starting on the bench isn't the worst part.
1: Exactly, that's it. He, he can come on and offer you yeah, a key to the door, but he can come on and offer you yeah, the control as well. So he's that's that's that sums up what he's offering really. But we'll have to round up anyway because I think we're past the hour mark. I'm just guessing, but I think we are. So um, verdict with Arsenal, Dave.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I think the look's going to run out a little bit in this decent run they've had against Liverpool recently, being at Anfield as well. I, I don't think they're going to get blown away, but I'm going to go. I think I go 2 1, but a, a more dominant performance by Liverpool.
1: I'm going to go 2 0, Liverpool. Um, I see Aubameyang as the only real threat, and I think after conceding to him, Liverpool will be a lot more aware of what, what might happen. Um, and Liverpool just looked imperious, I thought, against Chelsea, so I think we'll just see a bit of an extension of that, really, especially with it being our field too, so I don't think it'll be easy by any means, I think Arsenal has Arsenal has got them well drilled, and they do fight for the shirt now, and all that sort of stuff, they're not, they're not easy to just roll over, but I think Liverpool will have too much ultimately, mm-hmm. um, but we'll round up there anyway, big episode we got through it, um, maybe we'll have more next week, When we've got a bit more time, a bit more room to breathe. Um, Yeah, thanks for joining us anyway, Dave. Yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers, everyone. Uh, We will see you next week. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red Channel.